You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright and today with me I've got Julian Richards. Hello Julian. Hello Stuart, hi. Right, we're here for a kind of special anniversary release of a British horror film. Is, is that not true? Uh, that is true, yes. Uh, the last horror movie um, which is being uh, re-released in the UK on DVD by Soda Pictures on May 5th. And, and what, what was it... Um, how how have we uh, how is the tenth anniversary coming around? Is that is that was that something you discussed with them, or is that something they came to you with? Uh, well, it's actually a sort of um, a sort of an evolution of the film, I suppose, in in terms of how it's been handled in the UK. That um, originally the film was distributed by by Tartan uh, Films in two thousand five, yeah. uh, who gave it a, a, a small theatrical. Um, and then followed up with um, with a DVD release, um, and this was in the times, I suppose, when there was no there were no digital platforms, um, uh, uh, and it was also at the time where DVD was just taking over from VHS. So there's there's never really been a VHS release of Last Horror, which 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 uh, considering the content of the film may be a good thing, um, uh, but um, uh, what eventually happened was Tartan went bust. Um, and um, as a result, they sort of took Last Horror Movie with them, um, and uh, I've got the rights back. Okay. And I started to approach um, other UK distributors with a view to uh, to getting it back out there. Um, and first up, actually, was the Horror Channel um, last year, who um, who gave it its its very first broadcast. Um, and um, and then uh, more recently, Soda Pictures have picked it up for for re-release and by coincidence it's 10 years later so uh, we're we're sort of turning it into an anniversary okay now i don't know if you remember uh, i i um i interviewed you at the time of uh, the original release and uh in uh, off Tottenham court road in uh, the grafton hotel for a magazine called flux right yes um and uh, i still i still have my uh, my vhs promo of uh of ah, film. One, one of the few because really? um 
uh, a big twist of last horror movie is of course watching the film on vhs and and i'm looking at my shelf at the moment and i have one of those those original um vhs last horror movies and you know i i sometimes wonder whether it would be a good idea to um to have a, a certain amount of vhs copies released as well because um you know if 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 watching films goes the vinyl route, you know, there may be some kind of comeback. Uh, but I think it works particularly well on VHS. No, totally, totally. Now, <laughs> probably a bit, bit, bit remiss of me. Do you, do you want to give a, a sort of brief introduction to, to what the film is about? Um, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, when, when, when this kind of film is done, when, when there's a bit of humour, the, the word mockumentary is used. But but that would be completely kind of the wrong, the wrong description. And uh, I see the word shockumentary banded about in terms of uh, the way people, the shorthand people use to describe uh, last horror movie. But do you want to, do you want to give us the kind of the basic, the, the basic synopsis of it? Yeah. Well, the, the last horror movie um, is a, um, is a shock mockumentary of sorts. Um, <laughs> it's um, about a wedding uh, videographer um, who um, in his spare time is a serial killer and he has, um, or he is making, uh, a film about the art of serial killing, I suppose. And um, uh, but his agenda is really to to record this film over the top of a generic Hollywood slasher, the kind of film you would rent from the local video store back in the day. Um, and um, uh, he's 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 rented this film and he's recording his film over the top of it, taking it back to the video store and waiting for the next person to rent it. Um, and then that person obviously is surprised to discover that uh, the film they've rented has been recorded over and even more a surprise to discover that the person who recorded over it has followed them home um, is a serial killer and, and they are going to become his next victim. Yes, and that, and, that, and that is really quite a chilling premise as someone that grew up on, uh, on, um, on VHS and, and, and I vividly remember when I first watched it, it is, it is really, really unnerving. To realise what you almost like what you're watching is is the uh, is the recipe for the next murder. Yeah, well, I I, I really um, love the idea of of having your your home viewing sort of um, taken over by somebody else. Um, obviously, uh, a big inspiration here was actually the Fu Manchu films, you know, because uh, I love the way that uh, Fu Manchu was able to. Uh, to um, to block you know the, the the broadcast signals and take it over himself yeah. um, uh, and and of course the outer limits um, uh, the, 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 it, it, it were you know, so sort of films like that and, and TV series like like that, like that that set my imagination running and and that sort of gave me the idea of what if somebody recorded over the top of a VHS rental tape. I mean that was and that was quite a, I mean there was quite a fad for that in the eighties, wasn't there? I don't know if you saw any of the uh, any of the documentaries last year, such as uh, Rewind This, looking at the kind of fetish sort of fetishizing over the VHS tape. Um, did you see any of those? I didn't. No, no. Uh, well, well, it reminded me not not reminded of your film, but it reminded me of that. The, 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 I always thought it was kind of a, a sort of a myth, really, the idea of people splicing pornography in the middle of like a a Disney movie, then taking it back to the shop. <laughs> yeah. uh, but equally, you know, doing other, you know, putting other kind of mischievous things because obviously uh, a tape is physical, whereas obviously a DVD is digital. And you yes, do have yes. That, don't I, I mean, that did 
come up because when when Tartan picked the film up, it was in two thousand and three, but they didn't release it till two thousand and five. Mm. By that time, their you know DVD had completely taken over, and and some people regarded the film as a as a sort of a relic, if you like, a, a sort of a um, a, a, a goodbye, farewell to to um, to the VHS format. Um, however, that doesn't mean to say that you can't um, do the same thing on DVD. Mm. Um, it just it just means obviously you can't record over a DVD, but you can you can replace the disc. <laughs> you you can indeed. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, this is something that I'm going to be addressing. Um, uh, with the sequel to last horror movie, um, which is called um, Murder on Demand, okay. um, and um, and 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 this is where all all the 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 new technologies and the new platforms that we have now are used by Max to um, to source his victims. Now, now the the, the, the star of the film is um, is Kevin Howarth. Yes, who um, who I, I, I featured in an interview um, recently for uh, the Season House. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think the die was cast with uh, with with casting with casting him as that as this bad guy. Um, he seems he seems to relish it. Uh, yes, yes, he does. He's um, I mean, when when we discovered Kevin in our casting, um, you know, we knew exactly what we were looking for, and and Kevin just walked in and was it, you know, and and um, uh, the. The the guy that wrote the last horror movie is a doctor of philosophy, um, and last horror movie was his first screenplay. Okay. Um, his name is James Handel, and um, and James had sort of um, written the character of Max um, very much based on himself, um, and uh, Kevin realised this when he met James, okay. and based his whole performance on a almost like an impersonation of James. Oh really? Yes. That's really quite. That's a, that's a novel, novel way. Uh, one of the things that stood really, uh, and this this doesn't really give any spoilers away, but one of the things that uh, one of the memories that stuck with me is there's a there's a scene where we already know he's killing. He's at his sister's house, if I remember rightly, and he's having dinner, and his um, is it his nephew or his niece? I can't remember. His, his nephew, yeah. His nephew, and he's playing the naughty uncle routine. Which yes. is which is infuriating his sister, yeah. But it's obviously nothing like killing people, and it's really quite a, you know really quite a nice nice thing about the sort of the, between the character where we're we're kind of going yeah we're on we're on his side for that for that moment in time because his sister's being a bit pedantic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I think um, uh, a lot of people tapped into um, to the irreverence of last horror movie. You know, when you think of, of cinema as a metaphor as well, you know that. Uh, even though Max is is running around killing people, metaphorically, you could say actually, well, this is just a you know a metaphor for for being irreverent and uh, and um, and sort of um, and being not very politically correct. You know, it's um, it's um, it, it's very much an attack on um, on the middle class um, and on uh, on sort of bourgeois sensibilities. It's it's punk rock. <laughs> it, it it is indeed. I'm sorry, yeah, never thought of it that way. Um, now. This is your third, this was your third feature at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so one of the things I sort of like to do with, with the podcast is look at um, sort of people's evolution as, as a filmmaker. So just just rewind the clock for yourself a second. What would what was um, what was the one sort of film or person in film or, or, or 
that, that made you think that was that you kind of remember being a moment where you're going, no, I, I want to work in film. Uh, it was Jaws. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was just experience of sitting in a cinema with um, with another three, four hundred people and going through the experience of Jaws. It, it was such a fantastic sort of shared experience. Um, uh, I think I was about 13 at the time, maybe. Yeah. Um, and um, it made such an impact. That, uh, and it just felt such a sort of a powerful form of communication that I thought, well, this, this is what I want to do. Um, I didn't realize it immediately. I, I realized it sort of several months later when I, I, I was trying surfing for the first time. And, um, and I got sort of stranded out about a, you know, half a mile out from the coast on my surfboard and noticed a, um, a very dark shadow underneath my board. Um, and wherever I went, it followed. Right. Um, so uh, I, I, I was sort of desperately trying to get back to shore um, and it was following me all the way and I could hear the soundtrack to Jaws. Um, you know, my, my heartbeat was basically the soundtrack to, to Jaws. Um, and it wasn't until I got to the coast, to, to the actual shore, that I realised it was uh, my own shadow. <laughs> and that's basically when I thought, you know what, I want to be a film director. So, so you uh, uh, and you, you did, you did go, you went down a kind of for, a formal education route as you, when you were when you were an adult and went to National Film School. Um, yeah, well, I actually started off making films on Super 8, okay. um, and I used to get my friends together every weekend, and we'd go off and make um, horror films. And um, and also sort of um, action mar martial art films too, um, um, and um, I think by the time I'd left school, by the time I was eighteen, I'd done about eight or nine Super Eight films, um, all in the sort of twenty to thirty minute range. Okay. Um, and my first film school was actually Bournemouth Film School. Okay. Um, where I made um, three sixteen millimeter shorts, um, uh, mainly uh, Pirates and Queen's Sacrifice. And and those went on to win, you know, some some top awards. Pirates won the Celtic Film Festival, and uh, and Queen Sacrifice won um, the, the the British Short Film Festival, sponsored by the BBC. And both films were televised uh, nationally um, by one by um, ITV and the other by by the BBC and Screenplay Firsts. Um, but I, I'd always had my mind set on going to the National Film School. So having done Bournemouth, I then went to the National. Mm. And spent another four years there, where I made um, uh, several other shorts, including Bad Company, um, and um, and then after the National, um, I went straight to the U.S. and and got hired by Spielberg to write Calling All Monsters. But uh, by coincidence, the um, the DVD release of Last Horror Movie will include some of my shorts. I, I think both Queen Sacrifice and Bad Company. Are going to be on the the DVD of the of, uh, of the re-release. Excellent, um, but just just I mean comparing the, the sort of practical experience of filmmaking to the kind of educational side, what was it? What were the what were the main benefits of the kind of schooled route for you? What was what would what, is there is there a recommendation for that, or do you think you know your own your own sort of enthusiasm and natural ambition to make films? Would have would would have carried you anyway, you know. If you you, you say you're already making these things anyway, yeah. I think um, one of the biggest benefits of going to film school is the um, the group of people that you find yourself surrounded by, okay. um, both in 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 the years above you um, and 
to you know the years below you there are always individuals that stand out that are very inspiring um, and you've got a team of people around you ready to help you make your film all of all of whom have a passion for their own specific area and that's very difficult to recreate um, outside of a film school environment um, so it, it, it gives you I think filmmaking is a little bit like getting a pilot's license you know you've got to put a certain amount of hours in yeah. um, before you get your license and um, <laughs> and uh, you know it, 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 it in that day and age it, it, the, 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 there was no digital it was all it, it was 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter um, the, the cheapest format was actually super eight yeah. um, but um, uh, it was expensive um, and therefore you you didn't have a, a lot of opportunity to run film through the camera, um, whereas in film school you did. I mean, they had they had the equipment, um, they they had a budget to provide you with, and they had a team of people to, to surround yourself with. Plus, you know, there were there were inspiring teachers as well. Mm. You know, there was one teacher at Bournemouth, Derek Warbank, who who I, I personally sort of connected with, and uh, you know, he he used to say make films to upset your grandmother, you know, and that's, that's what um, last horror movie was. Um, so, so fast forward then to, to the original release. I'm, I'd, be, I'd be interested to know this, uh, your unique marketing campaign you used the first time round when uh, last horror movie came about. Yeah. Well, um, I suppose we were very much inspired by what happened with Blair Witch. Yeah. And we were trying to sort of do a similar thing. And it was all about making things as real as they could possibly be, you know, breaking through that wall and um, and, and, and and tricking people. It's this sort of a William Castle um, approach in a way. Um, and we um, we we did a mock up um, uh, uh, murder po poster, um, like a police poster wanted for murder. Um, and we had a picture of Kevin Howarth and we had a sort of a. A little sort of uh, uh, piece below saying that he was last seen in um, Heathrow Airport and he's believed to have flown to the Cote d'Azur. And um, <laughs> if anybody sees him, you know, please call this number. Um, and uh, we fly posted the whole of Cannes with these um, posters, um, put them everywhere on lampposts, walls, windows, you name it. And um, uh, uh, we noticed that um, other, you know, big... Hollywood companies had spent loads of money putting up massive posters on the side of uh, of hotels, and people weren't looking at those. They were stopping to look at our wanted for murder posters pinned to lampposts. Um, and we started to get telephone calls. Um, I think Kevin Howarth arrived in Cannes midway through the festival, and we started to get calls. Um, in town as well. Uh, yes, it was like I have seen him, the killer, and um, yeah, it, it, it and and then we got a call from from Freud's uh, the, um, the 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 PR company, oh. and uh, you know it was just like two o'clock in the morning, and they said um, we're just ringing to see if this is for real or if it's a marketing campaign, and and we and we told them it's a marketing campaign, and they were completely blown away, um, so um, it it was very successful, and I think it's one of the reasons why the film sold so well in um in can and um so so fast forward to now um you you you, you already alluded to, to to some of the things that might be on the dvd what 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 we're going to get with the dvd this time around 
Um, there's quite a lot of added value. Uh, there's a, a, a full commentary uh, by myself and Kevin Howarth. Okay. Um, there's a sort of a 15-minute behind-the-scenes um, uh, sort of making of documentary. Um, there are two, maybe three deleted scenes, um, and there are the uh, the two short films, uh, Queen Sacrifice and Bad Company. Okay. And the release date is the 5th of May, is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll make sure there's a, a link to something from, from the podcast um, where people can get that from. Is it going to be available on other platforms as well, as well as the, the DVD release? I, w- I would imagine so, yes. Yes, I, I know that um, I was talking to Soda last week and they were putting together the uh, the metadata that they need to create to to d- d- deliver it to the likes of FilmFlex and iTunes and um, and what have you. So I'm sure it'll, it'll be available. You know, it's going to be available on Amazon Prime, iTunes, FilmFlex, I would imagine. Uh, are you someone that can, um, that can watch his own work out of interest? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean... It, it, but for me, um, the biggest buzz I get is is, is sharing um, my film with my audience um, and doing it um, uh, internationally. You know, to travel the world and watch it with with um, with di- different nationalities and just seeing how how their response differs. Um, and you you learn from it. You you sort of you really do learn what works and what doesn't work and and how different people respond. Uh, I, was, I was thinking there was obviously your. It's this idea of you know looking back at your work and now it being it being presented to a lot of people as a new film. But obviously for you, it's not new. How did how did you feel revisiting the film as a, as a director? Um, I haven't watched it for a while, um, okay. so uh, I I don't know. I, um, you know, I probably need to watch it again soon and 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 answer that question. But I okay. So yeah, well, uh, Darklands was released six months ago by or re-released six months ago by Metrodome. Um, and that's a film. It was my first film, um, and um, I, you know, I feel that there are lots of mistakes, lots of problems in the film that I, I would continuously want to address. I mean, I can't reshoot, uh, but what, what I can do is fiddle in post production. Um, so I did uh, revisit the film um, uh, several years after it was released, and I cut ten minutes out. Um, and and I could probably go back and and continue to fiddle with it. I don't think I could do the same with the last horror movie. Actually, um, uh, I can't think of anything that I would want to change. Which is which is good. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a lean film. Um, yeah. It, it it gets it gets to the heart of it very quickly, and then we we I felt going I was going on the ride. Quite inst- you know quite consistently all the way through, and it's you never. You always felt like you're with, with what, what what Kevin's character was up to. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the challenges with Last Horror Movie was to make um, the whole concept um, last for feature length. You know, mm. uh, because um, a big uh, a big chunk of the film is Max actually talking to camera and talking to the audience, and um, and there was always a fear that 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 was going to become uh, wearing uh, and repetitive. Uh, but um, I think what what happened is that um, uh, I identified when we were editing the initial shoot that tonally there were some issues um, that um, it was leaning more towards comedy than horror for my liking. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually um, rewrote some stuff and and um, some additional scenes 
um, and went went off and shot them and put them into the film and took some of the more comic scenes out. So when when you have a look at the deleted scenes, you'll notice that the deleted scenes are are almost you know um, comedic, um, whereas the scenes that I replaced them with are really hard hitting sort of horror scenes. So um, I think the biggest job of a director is to get the tone of the film right. And um, and uh, I think the reason why I don't need to revisit Last Time Review and make corrections is because I I, I sort of bought myself that luxury um, and, and had the, uh, the the foresight, even though it was hindsight because I'd, I'd already shot the film and I went back and, 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 uh, and shot a couple more scenes just to get the tone right. And... Um... I, I just what 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 kind of director do you think you are in terms not I don't mean that in an accusation as it sounds but like you know in so much of what what kind of set is what kind of set is yours to work on are you are you the collaborative kind are you autocratic are you, you know how, um, how, do you, how do you make how do you get the best out of your crew, cast and crew I'm I'm uh, I'm very collaborative um, I in fact so much so that um, often I I. I hear people saying who haven't worked with me before um, and actually an actress on the last horror movie said it. And so did um, um, uh, an actress on, um, on Shiver, my latest film. Um, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't direct. Um, and um, that's, that's sort of my way of working with actors is that uh, I, uh, once it's there on the page, um, then I, I generally don't, don't need to to sort of um, go in there and tell everybody how I want it played. I'm going to sit back and let them interpret it. It's their job to do that. Mm. Um, and if I get in the way, it's like there's a famous John Ford quote. If you tell uh, 12 actors what to do, you'll end up with 12 cardboard cutouts of yourself. So there's, there's, a, there's a real danger uh, as a director in, in imposing yourself on the material. You've got to let the material sort of... Um, you know, come come to uh, mature. You know, in in its own way, based upon the the collaboration that's taking place. Uh, it's all about hiring the right people. Okay, so so you, so you're, you see the big part of the job in in the casting and literally that, that, that I guess for the crew, the hiring, not so much how you mould it on the day. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, if you've, if you've got the right people. And people who can interpret and uh, and um, you know deliver something extraordinary, um, then um, you really don't need to to do that much as a director. And was was that born out of experience, or was that an approach that you set out to do? It's born out of experience, um, and I'd say the same about how I cover scenes. You know, in terms of of directing the camera work, you know, and the uh, the angles. It, it's that. Um, I don't use storyboards. I don't presume uh, myself over the material whatsoever. Um, it's it's much more organic. Um, St Stephen Frears works the same way, and and he he describes directing as um, sort of um, thinking and feeling your way through the process. Um, and it, it for me, it's the best way to get good performances. So that again, thinking and feeling your way through the process. So yeah. So it's like waiting to see what happens rather than expecting it. Yeah, yeah. It's like making a documentary. Okay, okay. You know, well, you, 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 you can't, you, you don't know what's going to happen, but you've yeah. got to make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're there to get it when it does. 
so, so in, in in that sense, then what what's been a um, a lesson learned for yourself, maybe early doors, that has stood you in good stead to this day as a director? Um, well, I think you know, being um, being in film school for so long, I was there for seven years um, and making lots of short films. I I made all my mistakes. I saw how sort of uh, stilted and blocked and uh, and natural uh, films look when they're overly directed. Um, and um, what you what you realise is that it's all about the script. Um, once once the script is as good as it can be. Um, then, um, then you, you, then it's all about the casting. Um, and once you've got your script and your casting done, that's 70% of the job done, maybe more. Um, and it's then about not, not really interfering and spoiling it. I, I often find sometimes that if you get too sort of, you know, if you keep on giving notes to actors, they're, they, they, they give themselves over to you and then it becomes your job. Their, their performance becomes your job. You, you can actually open up a can of worms and make things even more complicated. So I, I almost prefer not to give notes. If there's a problem with a take, I'll just say, do it again. And, you know, if they say, well, what do you want me to do different? I, and I'd say, I don't know. I'll know it when I see it. What do you do? I mean, I, was, I interviewed a director recently. Talked about um, uh, working with uh, Neil Maskell, and, and, and Neil Maskell's approach was was very much to want to know, you know, the, the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed about about the character's backstory. That's not let, let alone on the page. It's not going to feature in the film, but wanted to know, you know, all these things. Are you are you there to answer those questions or? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I think it's it's important. Um to use the rehearsal process um if if you're fortunate to have one yeah. um to um to, to get everybody on the same page you know and you do discuss these things and you go through them and and, and you sort of make sure that um that everybody's aware of, of what it is that they want to do i mean there, there there have been times where where um an actor's turned up and in fact it's happened twice in in my films where an actor has turned up with a very specific interpretation of the character and it's so different to what i'd intended and i'm always open to that i'm always open to go you know what actually your idea is better than mine however in this case i felt that their interpretation was wrong i was going to be an, have some negative effect on the film um, and, and, and in, in one occasion, which was with Summer Scars and Kevin Howarth, um, we, it was three days before filming and I had to tell Kevin, you know, we need to completely reimagine this character. Um, and, um, uh, Kevin went, went away and reimagined him and came back and, and delivered a great performance. Um, I think that had he gone with the original route, um, uh, it, it, the film might've been unintentionally funny was that was that the, the change of accent with the character yes yeah 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 we talked about that in the interview yeah. it's uh yeah. Yeah. he must have loved you when he got that phone call <laughs> <laughs> well you know it, it, it it's it, he put a lot of work into getting the um west country act a, a, accent right um and um when uh, I, what i did is i i um i rehearsed because i was wo working with kids yeah uh, i i shot the rehearsal and edited edited the rehearsal together so i had a prototype of the film before i made the film okay. um and i was able you know that that bought my, my myself the benefit of hindsight you know that i could see 
what the problems were going to be. And one of them was the fact that that um, that accent was sort of synonymous with um, Long John Silver kind of thing, you know. And 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 in the context of it being sort of a kids' film, it just it just felt like it could could go the wrong way. So um, so I jumped on that and changed it. Okay. Um, and, Kevin resisted, um, and then and then took it on board and and, and delivered. Uh, but I I actually had a similar thing with um, with um, with uh, John Jarrett's performance in Shiver. Okay, but that took me by surprise completely. Um, and um, again, it it, it it was a tonal thing about horror and comedy, and and for me, it sort of lent more towards the the comedic side of things. Um, but um, I didn't have the mandate on that film to to change it uh, because I was the director for hire. Uh, the producer had written the script. The producer had uh, hired John and had been working with John on that character for months before I was even on board as a director. Okay. So I had to try and manage um, the performance uh, the best that I could. Um, throughout the shoot to, to strike the right tone. Okay, well look, uh, Last Horror Movie, 10th Anniversary, is out on DVD, 5th of May. Yep. Um, you've, you've already, now what next for you, Julian? You, 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 I mean, can you talk much about the last the, the sequel you're doing? Um, that's um, uh, uh, one of the irons in the fire that I've got at the moment. Um, so that's, that's still in, in early stages of development. Okay. Um, I've got a project called Suicide Solution that looks like it's going to happen um, uh, this year, possibly early next year. Okay. Um, and, and that's a, a really, really dark uh, psychological horror um, in in a similar sort of tone to, say, High Tension or um, Martyrs. Oh, excellent! I uh, I hope we can uh, we can catch up with you there when that one's when that one's in the can. Yeah. Um, so so finally then. Um, we always like to give uh, the listener a, a horror, well, a British recommendation. And as you're as you're a, a horror guy, let's let's go for a horror film. So, yeah. is there is there a British horror film that you think deserves a little more kudos than it gets currently? Um, yeah, um, um, you know, I've, uh, since you um, uh, warned me about that question <laughs> before we started this interview, I've been racking my brains to try and think. God, which film would I choose? Um, that that I think really stands out and needs some some more attention. Um, Sawney, Flesh of Man, uh, by by Ricky Wood. Um, I think what the guys did with that um, is quite amazing um, uh, in terms of the production value um, and, uh, and the fact that the, this is a film sort of made over weekends. Um, uh, it's um, it, and it's done it extraordinarily well, you know. It was picked up by by Lionsgate for release in the US, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and 101 released it in the UK. But I, I do think that um, when you look at at that film, you know, it's a bit procedural, it's a bit generic, um, but at the same time, it has um, uh, it, the craft of filmmaking in there is really, really strong. And I think the you know that the, the guys both both Ricky and his brother Ronan are both um, uh, very, very talented filmmakers, and I, I I really look forward to see, seeing what they do next. No, no, it's a cracker. I mean, I remember, I remember meeting a, a couple of drunk Scots before the film came out. I got the business <laughs> card from him at the Petit Majestic, 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then I saw I saw it at uh, Fright Fest. Uh, when was it? Was that 2012? It was. Yeah, a... that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good film. Yeah, yeah. No, I I was very impressed with that. And uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to um to do something with them um. Because there is funding in Scotland, um, yeah. and uh, and they've got their their own equipment, you know. So when they're and they're up in Aberdeen, so um, uh, it, it's actually seems that with a combination of money from from um, Creative Scotland and uh, and and them having their own equipment and the UK tax credit, that the, it, it it should be easier to um, to get something like you know their their next project up and running sooner rather than later. And there's a there's a screenplay actually that's written by Paul Gerstenberger who wrote um, Bad Meat, um, and um, Paul uh, it's called Sinners. Um, so I'm I'm sort of talking to them at the moment with a view to trying to get that up and running. Excellent, excellent. Well, that's uh, another another good iron in the fire, it would seem. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Julian, I thank you very much for your time to, to tell us about um, the DVD release, 10th anniversary of Last Horror Movie and, and, and so much more. Um, we'll get this out uh, towards the end of April. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and like I say, we, we'd, uh, we'd welcome, welcome you back on the podcast anytime to talk about other projects that come off the ground. So we'll give us a shout. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep you informed about Suicide Solution. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it, at the moment it's planned to go in September, um, so um, we shall see. Excellent, excellent. Well, look, last horror movie DVD tenth anniversary release is fifth of May. Check that out, and uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Stuart. Bye bye. Take care, Jim. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.